Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. What's up, everybody? The cameras are rolling. This is our second take starting this <laughs> podcast. Started talking and forgot that we have to record it for, as Heidi likes to say, the YouTube. That's right. So if, you, um, if you're wrapping presents or if you're doing something and maybe you just want to be able to see um, how good David's hair looks, then you can pop on over to YouTube. <laughs> to watch your two favorite boomers. That's right. That's right. Hi, guys. <laughs> Gosh, are we, we're not that old, are we? Yeah. You know what? Connor calls me a boomer. I'm like, dude, you don't even know what you're talking about. That's true. He doesn't. But, but it's fine. He thinks it, it's funny. But is it accurate? Is he calling you something accurate? What's the no. age level for boomers? I don't even know that. Yeah, it'd be at least 60s, right? But I think I think we're Gen Xers or something. Well, I'm definitely we, Gen X. You're Gen X. Yeah, I'm I, definitely Gen X. But I'm much, much older than you, so I'm not sure what's in between. No, you're not much older Gen than Gen X and... No, are we the same? I don't know. I'm turning. I think we're two years apart. I'm 47. Yeah, we're two years apart. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, that's fine. Um, anyway. We are recording a podcast, so. Oh, 46 to 64. So I. Dude, I'm not a boomer. 1946 to 1964. Oh, I thought you said 46. So, so I'm definitely age. not a boomer because I'm 72. So okay. what am I? Figure it out. You're Gen X. I'm a Gen X. Gen X. Sweet. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the store Gen X? They still got a couple of those around. Oh, really? Big hoodies, pants. It's kind of, it's a '90s store. <laughs> they still got one in. Uh, yeah, the Janko pants. They still oh. got one. In, I think I saw one in St. George. I, I think it's through. so. You know, it's funny how we how how those names come about. Like, who's in charge of that? I don't know, but a lot of the old brand clothing brands have definitely been coming back in recent years. Stussy. It's been one of the past. Oh, few years. really? Yeah, Stussy brand. I remember that. Nostalgic for a surfer guy like me. But it was back to our normal, regular scheduled programming. We are going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about family relationships. But first, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, which is teencounseling.com. Remember, use teencounseling.com backslash LTF to get your 10% off your very first month of online counseling slash online therapy. If you guys haven't heard this ad before, we've been happy to work with teencounseling.com because it is no secret that it's hard to get a good counselor for your teenager. If you got to switch counselors, it's like nobody wants to start all over or give your whole life story again. Teencounseling.com, visit them. They found a fast, efficient way to get you paired up with a counselor that's going to help you meet your needs and the needs of your family and your teenager. I think that... You know, it does feel like kind of space agey. Heck yeah, we're the and Jetsons. It kind, of, it kind of feels like, oh, maybe it's not as good if we don't have to go there. But I think that for your teenager, it's actually better. Well, and also too, does it feel good? Does it feel better talking about what's going on or not talking about it? Yeah, talking it, about it. The, the more reps your kids get, the more practice they get. We talk about that all the time. I like to fight reps, 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 reps. You don't no. get better at things. You don't practice. If you practice not talking, you get better at not talking. That's right. We also want to give a big shout out to our community sponsor, who is 1-800-CONTACTS. And um, if you are a Gen Xer, you might be... <laughs> <laughs> Needing contacts. <laughs> you might be experiencing some vision problems. If you look at your phone a lot, 
also might be experiencing some vision problems. How do you so. have such good eyesight after? Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Do you my, have good eyes? No. You don't? Well, I, I just lost all of my, up, I just lost my whole reading I would have situation. never known. And so it's, it's devastating. Well, if you have the same problems that Heidi has, at yeah. least one of those problems with the eyesight, <laughs> the other problems we, we can't necessarily share. You probably on, have yeah, all yeah. these people. These are my people. They have all my problems. We have Boomercounseling.com. <laughs> if they ever come out with a company, we'll start that. Boomercounseling.com for all you older people out there. All right. Enough of the, the age jokes. So let's jump right into the episode today. Um, I know that um, this is something we started talking about before the podcast. Yeah. So why don't you cue this one up, Heidi? And So I actually was talking to a friend of mine, which... Um, spurt like a lot of times these conversations yeah, come she's, up. And- if you guys didn't know about the Light the Fight podcast, we send Heidi out on um, assignment to find um, problems in people's lives. And they, luckily for her, she's a magnet. They just come and share these <laughs> things for, with her. It's true. And then she goes, hmm. I'm a safe place. They're, they're like, David. what do you think, Heidi? I'm a safe you place. You are a safe place. People can really <laughs> talk to me yeah. about anything. And yeah. they do. They do openly in the but- parking lot. But it's 18 <laughs> degrees outside. So don't stay out there very long. Or wear a parka. That's right. Okay, so here's the conversation. Um, Particular person's talking to me about how she felt like some things that her parents could have done better. And we started talking and she said she realized in therapy that she was brought up in a home where she was controlled by fear. That was that was the general, everything was based on fear. If you don't do this, then if you don't do this, you might. And that was kind of the conver- all conversations, all of her motivation, everything that she, so she was motivated 100% by fear. And so we started talking about that and, and I started like, like that's probably why like so then I started thinking about like the freaking out we all know that I have the freak out problem and the reality is you don't freak out unless you're afraid right fear causes freak outs for for me (laughs) they should be fight flight freak out right it it really it really isn't so psychologist got that one wrong she says something to me like I mean, I thought that I was, I've always had a lot of faith. Like I was a person that had faith. And so I didn't really think that I could have been motivated by fear. And I, I had this moment and you guys have probably heard me talk about this. And, and David is one that kind of has helped me. Like, if you don't understand something, consider what the opposite means. Mm-hmm. And I asked myself this question, is faith the opposite of fear and i don't think so because i too feel like i am a person that has a lot of faith but also i'm afraid of what can go wrong right which again leads to the freakouts so i think somebody or five of my somebodies could probably say the same thing that maybe they are motivated by fear or maybe that their mom me encourages from a place of fear. Um, So I just kind of wanted to get you talking about that. I wondered what you would say 
the opposite of a fear-based parenting or fear-based motivation is and how somebody like me and all of us who are listening, right, my, my people, um, could transition. Like this is a spectrum situation. So how could we start transitioning from sort of being this like motivating out of fear, um, preaching out, pre- not preaching, but um, disciplining out of fear, or, I mean, what's what's the word? How can I st- stop coming from a, a place of being afraid of what's going to happen um, to a what? What is that opposite? Well, I, I like when we when we try to understand something or try to understand what's the purpose of something by looking at the other end of it, the other end of the spectrum, the opposite. Um, we've talked about that before. A good example is the anti-fragile. Right. Um, when we talk about, you know, your teenagers, because that kind of that blew my mind when we talked about like, what is the opposite of fragile? I was like, well, strong. That's what you'd think. Right. But it's not the opposite of fragile and resilient is not the opposite of fragile. So oftentimes we say, okay, we don't want our kids to be fragile. We don't want them to be, you know, to, too easily hurt. Like, so, um, we need to make them more resilient, but resilient means to resist. And that's not the opposite of fragile. And so, um, that terminology anti-fragile was coined by Nassim Taleb, you know, this um, this author. And I really liked how he, he helped me understand how it's more effective to look at teenagers as being anti-fragile because the opposite of it, resilient, is something different. So what we look at it is we're saying, wait, okay, the way he described anti-fragile was very helpful for me to understand that our kids are not fragile. That's what I meant to say, because fragile is easily broken, anti-fragile. Fragile Fragile is easily broken and then done. There's nothing that like, that's it. Throw it away. Yeah, just just throw it away, right? Like that thing did not learn anything from it. Um, You know, the example that it's easy to use, like something like a wine glass and when it breaks, it's broken. You don't try to glue together a wine glass. It's just too many pieces, broken. But the opposite of that doesn't mean that um, you can resist being broken. It means that you're anti being broken. So things that you would think would break you are only for your betterment. So you, yes, you'll get broken, but it's going to make you better. But you're, but you're actually going to rise up from that. Instead of throwing away from the break, you're going to rise up from the break. Well, yeah, because it's not an actual break as we would look at it in in the regards of the situation as damaged, gone. Right. Like that type of broken is, for example, most people say, you know, I went through a bad breakup. I feel broken. You usually hear people say, I'm not going to get in a serious relationship. I'm not going to do this. I'm never going to fall in love again. I'm never going to marry again. They give these manifestos to the world on social media, what they're not going to do and all the things they're going to but what it comes down to is they're trying to do the opposite of what they did before. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. they were seeing themselves as they were broken, now they're trying to be strong. So get back to the how well, we- Well, the other example I would use for you, what you've taught me is that you don't like to go out and preach like, this is how to not do, su- this is this is how to, to not be suicidal. Suicide prevention, suicide prevention. You like to look at this and say, actually- the opposite of suicide is connection. And so let's talk about connection, connection. Let's not talk about suicide, suicide, which has been such a powerful information and tool for me. And so I think that looking at where you want to go rather than looking at the problem is helpful. Yeah. So I think that if if in this case, 
being motivated by fear is the problem. What is the <laughs> what's better than that? I can't think of anything. <laughs> well, it just comes so natural for me. Usually, and it's this is up for debate, but usually people would say that faith is the opposite of fear. Which is kind of where I went. Yeah. And so oftentimes it's assumed that if we have faith, that means there's absence of fear. Or if we have fear, that means there's absence of faith. Which I really hate that. You've heard me say that before. I hate it well, it's, because it's, I feel both of those all the time. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> completely incorrect. But I see why people would associate those just like fragile and resistant. I mean, resilient, fragile and resilient. Right. It assumed that, okay, like this is going to be the counterbalance of this. So when we talk about faith and fear in, in regards to parenting, if you're a parent, you're going to have fear. It's your job to keep people alive and yourself at the same time. And, and pay for things. And pay for things. <laughs> very, <laughs> they don't really very need, frightening. That they don't need and you don't really need. You know? <laughs> Just to, like make yourself feel better. I worked hard this week for buying myself this. Oh. At least that's what I do with sushi. That's besides the point. <laughs> Um, so back to the whole time, faith and fear. I love when we have any reason to bring up the best three letter word, three letter word in the world. And I think fear and faith, they, you know, they're like shampoo and conditioner. (laughs) They come in the same bottle. They almost have to, there has to be enough of one to validate even having the other. Well, I was thinking to myself that. When you do anything, like the, the, you talk about the definition of courage is being afraid and doing it anyway, right? Yeah. And so you just have to have more percentage points <laughs> of faith than fear. Like it might just be 51% faith and 49% fear for you to actually take one step, right? Yeah. Otherwise, if it's the opposite, then there's no stepping, yeah. right? So anyway, go on. I agree that the best the best three-letter word is and. I agree. It took me a long time to get there. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to our and uh, episode, you can go check that out. I'm sure a producer can pull it up in a minute. What it's essential. If you haven't listened to it, hundred something episodes stop what you're that, doing. that we've had now. <laughs> um, so really quickly, back to the back to this conversation. So here, I'll just cut straight to the chase, and we'll get back to the fear versus faith thing. As I can't say this strongly enough, I am a practitioner. People want to debate with me with based upon their ideas of how parenting and how certain things should be done in today's world. And when I give suggestions, when I give advice, you don't have to agree with me. It's my opinion. It's from based upon my experience, what I've seen, but I can't prove to you that over 21 years, this is what I've seen. I can only say to you what I would suggest you consider doing or not doing in a situation that's creating you fear. But there's something in the middle. With shaming, the opposite is coddling. In the middling, in the middle, we've identified that that's partnering. So we look at faith and we look at fear. In the middle, we do not want to make it that our fear causes us to ruin relationships with the people that we're scared that they're going to have something bad happen to them. We don't want to be the thing that pushes them over the edge, that that taints the relationship. So now the relationship is too affected by our fear that our kid's gonna make a mistake. It's too affected by our fear because we're not just having fear, it's causing us to act erratically. Freaking out. Freaking out. In the middle of that, and we say it till we're blue in the face here, but it bears repeating. 
always err on the relationship, the side of the relationship. So how you combat fear in a relationship between a parent and a teenager is fortifying a more understanding of the person why you're scared of what they're going through. If you have a teenager and they're about to get a driver's license, it's pretty obvious, the fears. And they can be life-threatening. That's why insurance charges so much to insure teenagers. Mm -hmm. They're not thinking about years in advance. They're speeding in and out of lunch and coming and going. And so in the middle of the fear and the faith is really the partnering. And it's really the relationship in and of itself. So what I want to talk to you guys about for a minute right now is to give you a very strong reminder that if you put the relationship first in in the situation between you and your kid, what's ever causing you fear, if you give them the benefit of the doubt, if you tell them that I'm scared about something, but it doesn't mean that you're not capable of it, it doesn't mean that you're going to make a bad decision. This is my fear that I have, but I'm more thankful that our relationship can give me that pacifying feeling to help me calm and digest my fear because my fear is not an indication of failure. My fear is an indication of this is important. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's just important. And so that's why faith is like, think about it this way. If you look at faith and fear and put them on like two different separate columns, you're looking at faith. Well, why do you need faith? Okay, we'll help you keep on going, help you stay motivated, help you believe in something, help you get through these difficult times in your particular life. Why do you have fear? Well, fear is a notification to make sure that you don't have more difficult times in the future. Faith and fear can really benefit us in a great amount. They can work together. But as parents, if we rely solely upon faith or we just put all of our efforts in, I have faith that my kids and I will will have a relationship when they get older. I have faith that if my kids do these things that I think are good for them, then they'll be so happy that I made the right decisions for their life. They'll thank me for it later. Oftentimes, we're taking situations that are just natural in human experience, like teenage teenage years, and we're putting certain amount of fears on it based upon our life experiences and the things that we wish we would have known when we were teenagers. And we and pain that we don't want and them to- And pain that we don't want them to have yeah. and pain that we're feeling from them. So then we- I guess what I'm trying to say is our fear is not really just belonging to us. We are feeling the insecurities of our children. Mm-hmm. We're feeling their self-doubts. Our fear, a lot of times, is that they will not get through that difficult or what time. If, or what if we're afraid of how it's going to make us look? Well, I was, or the reflection yeah. that a bad, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a real thing. Yeah, if, if there's fear that you're going to look like a bad parent, then all the hard work you've done, all the great deeds you've done to care for your family, to care for your kids, could all be just wiped away because of one bad choice that you made or because of one bad mistake. Reputation can be cruelly changed. Like mm-hmm. you can have a bad reputation as a parent pretty easily and pretty quickly. So we could come up with a hundred more things that would create a reason for a parent to be fearful. Right. But what we're talking about on this podcast today specifically is that that fear does not have to be in the relationship between you and your kid. You can have your fears. You can even express your fears, but you have to exclaim. When I say you have to, I strongly suggest, coming from a practitioner, I strongly suggest that you acknowledge your fear, you state that there is fear there, but you do not use fear as validation for you to do things that are outside of your job as a parent. You to bail your kids out. Coddling and shaming come from fear. Yeah, they do. 
So if we jump in the middle of our kid's situation that doesn't look like it's going to turn out well, let's say we try to bail them out of getting bad grades. We, we try to make it so that like you, the conversation with your friends start off with, my parents are going to make it so life-threatening for me to get grades right now that my whole life will be ruined if I don't get these good grades right now that I have such excessive, overwhelming worry and anxiety because our parents want us to feel their fears and their worries. That is not wrong as parents to want our kids to take to it as serious. To be successful, to take, yeah. To take it as serious as we take it. But the problem lies is we lose credibility with our kids if we do that too often. So to be clear, I don't want you parents to, to listen to this and think them saying, oh, don't be scared. Just be hopeful. You know how I feel about hope. Well, as a practitioner of depression, suicide, all these things, hope's cute. It's really adorable. And it's necessary. But fear is damaging so many relationships between parents and teens because you're not the only one that's scared parents. Your teens are scared too. Mm -hmm. You don't want to validate all their fears and anxieties by you doubling it and saying they need to have more of it. You want to state that you have fear. You want to state that you want you. A parent did this recently, really, really impressively. In fact, took a note from her book. She told her child, she said, listen, I have faith that you'll be successful and I fear that you're going to screw up all the potential that you have to be successful. And it's not my place to predict your success or your failure. It's my place to support you and I'm going to do a better job of that from now on. Mm -hmm. I was like, can you repeat that? Hold on, Siri, record this conversation. <laughs> no, I didn't literally do that because it's confidential. But the reason why I wanted to like memorize that was because she said it in a way that I was like, yeah, that's what I was trying to, I don't know why I never said it that way before. I, I learned this from parents. A parent will nail something. I'm like, writing that down. That was beautifully put. And it's just simple. Well, and I, I like what you said or what she said or what that parent said is this isn't actually about faith or fear. It's about no matter what happens, good or bad, I'm going to be here with you. Not for you. I'm not going to pick up all these pieces for you. I'm not going to fix this for you. But I'm going to be here with you. And if if that story is, you know, things are going to go wrong. But together we're going to make it through whatever it is. We'll figure it out. Y you know, I think that confidence, not that everything's going to be perfect, but that we're going to figure it out, that feels not afraid. You know, and, and I think this is really just a personal thing. And I'm so thankful for all of our listeners because it, you guys have really begun to, not begun, but you guys have really done me and Heidi a great favor just by trusting us, just trusting that. Not that we're perfect, but just trusting that we have had enough experiences, both professionally and personally, that we can talk about these things. Like we can, sh we can throw our information, our experience in the hat and say, hey, you can take something from this if you choose to. We're not trying to tell people that you're bad parents or that you need to do something that you've never done before. I believe most people have learned to mitigate this, this relationship between fear and faith pretty successfully in their work in other areas, like I'm scared I'm gonna lose my job and 
I have faith that if I keep on working hard, they'll keep me. But you notice that the faith and fear did not paralyze them. Faith and fear can be a great notification for us to take specific actions. Now, in our relationships with our kids, what that lady, that example that I've just used, the shining star for me in that particular moment is she was modeling for her kids, I'm a human being. I get scared and I have faith. Right, which, okay. is, which is important for our kids very, to connect very important. with, right? Very important that you can have both of those. It doesn't mean you have to just only have one. If you're scared, that means that you don't have strength or you don't have faith. But on the opposite end of it, unfortunately, I see all too often that parents use their fear and their faith to justify them not showing up and being as good as parents as they could be. What do you mean? And here's what I mean by this. When we're really scared it can give us a green light to freak out when we know we shouldn't. When when we're- <laughs> I, I can relate to that. It's like, no, I've built this up in my brain to make it such a big problem that I have to, if, if the problem's as big, then my, my voice, my body language, everything has to match how scared I am because they need to take it as serious as I'm taking it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that fear, that's an emotion at that particular moment. Now, faith, I'm not talking about faith in belief system faith, like religion type of faith. I'm talking about faith that, like that hope, that desire, that, and I have faith that it's going to work out because I'm doing the right things right now. But if people go too far on the opposite end of the spectrum with faith, they can easily find themselves, and parents come and admit Maybe these things Maybe not to doing me. the work. What happens is they are waiting for a miracle. Mm -hmm. And I've been there too. Which... Why would you do work if you think, think about it, if your relationship is so bad with your kids or you think your kid's so screwed up, you may think it's going to take a miracle for them to change. So, and, and this is not poking fun of, of any sort of religion or anything like that. I'm a great believer in higher power and, and prayer and all these different types of things. But all those things give you a mindset. It gives you a, cl a clarity that maybe you didn't have if you didn't think about those things, but they still require action. Mm. They still require you to do something. So on the faith side, if parents have so much faith that things are going to get better, that you know, if I just keep on doing things over and over again, eventually it's going to work out, but they're not looking at practicality. They're not looking at like, okay, well, it didn't work the last 30 times. <laughs> Why would I still have faith that this is going to work the 31st time? So fear can give us a green light to freak out and, uh, and shame and, and punish or, you know, to try to bail them out and save them. And faith can can unknowingly give us that it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's that it's that unrealistic optimism that there's mm -hmm. no there's nothing to give you the optimism. You're just like it's going to get better. I know it's, I know I know I know it can't stay like this forever. Well, there's no plan there. Or just I don't know what to do, so I just hope it's going to work out. Yeah. Y you know, and, and and so for our listeners, you guys aren't hopers. You guys are listeners. Right. And doers and take action. Yeah. You, the message, how many times we get messaged people like, I don't listen to podcasts three, four, seven, eight, nine times. I took notes. I came to your workshops. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. For those people out there that are understanding you're going to have faith, you got to have faith in, in situations that things will get better, but you don't want to put all your eggs in the faith basket. Same thing with people. You got to have fear and worry. Otherwise you could die if you're not scared of some things like you better be scared, you know, to not, you know, pay your bills on time, to not provide food and basic things for your family. But you can't live in either of those places. Those are feelings. Those are emotions that you have for a time. You have to be able to focus on strengthening the relationship. So Erring on the side of the relationship has to take precedent 
over fear and faith. Fear and faith will come and go, but a relationship is the foundation of are your kids going to trust you with information or are they going to withhold information from you? And to me, one of the things, and I know that there's a myriad of things that we can do to rely on the relation, to to err on the side of the relation. There's a lot of things that we can do. But I think using vocabulary like, you know what? No matter what happens, I'm here for you. No matter what happens, I'm going to love you and 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 mean it. You know, I think verbalizing that over and over and over, reassuring, even in times of calm, that even that that you're going to love them no matter what, that your love is not conditional on failures or successes. If you want to compare yourself to um, a relationship model, so instead of uh, just uh, modeling clothes to model adult behavior to model managing your stress, managing your expectations. This is a great opportunity to do this with your kids. Because just like that example that Heidi just gave and, and that mother that I, we just referred to just recently, just a little bit in the podcast, in all those examples, you find a couple common things. There's space and freedom for the individual to both learn from you and to copy you. See, our kids, they are, we can leave their imprint, our imprint on them in so many ways. By freaking out, we leave an imprint on them. By- To be afraid. To be afraid, yeah. <laughs> of, of the situation, yeah. of me, of life. It's just- To, to, to tell our kids, and this would fall probably more along the lines of a parent who has a habit of coddling, but to tell our parents, you know, like, I just, I just want us to have a good relationship. I just want you to come and talk to me. Like, I just want you to talk to me more like you used to. That's a little too much on the face side. You can only say that. How many times you could, as a parent, could you say that to a kid before you got to get the message that that's not enough? Right. That clearly, yeah. there's not that a trust there's, opportunity. There's clearly, clearly there's, there's not, not a, a trust safe, opportunity a safety. There. So the, the examples that we just gave, they have two very important uh, points to them. They're saying... I feel this way, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, I feel this way. Because I'm scared, it doesn't mean that I think you're going to fail, but because I have faith that you're going to be successful doesn't mean that I don't think you can get away without doing your homework or chores or basic things right. in your life because how can I respect you as a parent if you don't do things that are deserving of my respect? Right. And so once you say, I am scared of this, I am faithful and hopeful of this, and right in the middle is your opportunity for you to learn what's going to work for you. Is it going to work for you to be freaking out because the teacher, you know, didn't grade your homework on time? Is it going to be is it going to be helpful for you just have faith that you're going to start on the athletic team without practicing and going all the time? These are things that young people I I almost find it, it kind of I don't know if I want to say childish. I think it's very interesting that we could have a podcast on something that's so basic. And the reason why I think this this is interesting that we can have a podcast on something that's so basic is we have so many innate desires and so many emotions like fear and faith that just jump in and we're trying to figure out how to handle these these feelings and how to handle these emotions. 
that we don't really usually just talk about something so basic like right. faith and fear. And that's right. why when you brought this up, I'm like, well, this isn't like the sexiest topic like we've ever had. <laughs> but as I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? It's so basic. It's such a fundamental topic. Fear is necessary. Faith is necessary. But neither of them should be the vehicle you're driving in. It shouldn't be how you get to your destination. Fear is not a long-term motivator and faith is not a long-term motivator. It's like drinking... um. It's like drinking a big old monster energy drink. It's a great way to get energy, but it's not sustainable energy. It's not energy that's going to last if you keep on drinking it versus water and good night's sleep and a good healthy meal. It's going to only get you to a certain point for you to most likely crash. And I think faith and fear, they're necessary and they're good tools, but if they're excessive and if we use that in our parenting too often, then we're going to find ourselves putting our anxieties, our faith, and our fear on our kids without teaching them having faith, having fear is totally normal. But in the middle, what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. How are you going to use this to benefit you? Well, I appreciate that. I think uh, I, I, I think it was just on my mind all day because always my response to the opposite of fear is faith. And... um. To be completely honest with you, when when Corey was struggling, I did not know what to do. And I remember praying my guts out. Um, day after day and just saying, Heavenly Father, you have to do, you have to fix this kid. I can't do it. You have to do this. You have to help me. I I can't do it. And, and I think that because I came to the end, uh, like I didn't know what to do and my fear The lack of connection, like all the things I was afraid of were so inhibitive, I couldn't even see past the fear. And so just so that I could function, I would just tell myself, it's going to work out. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. I don't. In my situation... When Corey, on that day, I remember thinking, God didn't help me. Where, where were you? How how could you not tell me what to do? And um hindsight is so clear, you know, like and and you guys please don't please don't take this as me taking responsibility or me feeling like this is my fault. 
And I work through those feelings and emotions, just to be honest. But there are things that we can do to not just try to lay this all in hope and not just be paralyzed by fear. There are things that we can do, and that's it comes in conversation, and it comes in calm, and it comes in reassurance that we can figure this out. And maybe we're not going to figure everything out today, but we can figure out this one thing today, and then we'll work on the next step. And we're in this together, and I believe in you. You can believe in me, and I got your back. You, you know, just this conversation, but I can tell you that in that time, I didn't, I didn't believe that because I didn't have, I thought it was my job to be scared as heck. I thought that it was my job. And so, um, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry for that. Obviously this is a tender place, but what I can tell you listeners is that I have learned that those are not the two only choices. And um, yeah. Well, you know, two things come to my mind. What you just talked about is is the reason why the concept came up of don't go to bed mad in a relationship. And the reason why people would often say, well, one of the reasons why people would often say, let's not go to bed angry when there's a huge fight. You shouldn't talk about it anymore. It's like, let's not go to bed angry. Like, how's that going to happen right now? You got another six hours to work this out because we're tired, we're exhausted. And so this belief that a lot of people would come into me, especially couples that I counsel, like, you know, we're scared that if we go to bed angry, that, you know, what if something were to happen and, you know, we died in the middle of our sleep because that's a high probability of that. Not unless you live in a war zone. So they'd say, okay, well, let's, you know, let's not go to bed, you know, angry. So, so let's talk about it right now. Well, I can tell you as a marriage and family therapist, that doesn't work out too well when you try to have another conversation for another two hours at two o'clock in the morning about something that didn't work out the first time when you're tired and stuff. And so that reminded me of, of one of the things that sometimes when we have faith in these concepts or these things that we're told that like, you know, if you do this, you know, this will be better for you. But they're more like just... These things that people hear, there's not necessarily a lot of proof behind that. It's just something that we're expected to do. And sometimes that is good advice for specific situations. And other times it's the worst advice. You could push someone over the edge. You could create an argument in a difficult situation to be 10 times worse. You know, and another thing that came to my attention and thank you so much for sharing that Heidi, because you're the best example of this specific topic that we're talking about because you've lived in both of those extremes at different at different times and for good reasons and i remember i don't want to try to give away this person too much but i'll just say i was speaking with a person one time not giving a, a male or female thing and this person had lost a loved one to suicide and this person told me something. I'll try to remember this as clear as I can because it sounded really good the way they said it. They said, um, oh, by the way, a little background story. This person was had decided to leave the Mormon LDS church after the, the death of this other person. 
And I remember they said, they said, I, I don't know what my future holds for me. I don't know if I, I can come back to the faith or the religion because of certain specific things. Said, I, I can honestly say as of right now, I lost my faith. And then right before I could say anything, the person said, but I guess I shouldn't be too surprised that I lost my faith because I had been habitually misplacing it all the time. And I was like, wait, what, what do you, I didn't really know what they meant. You know, sometimes you think you know what someone means. And I'm like, I didn't want to guess because this was a sensitive subject, what they meant by this. And what they meant by this is that after losing this very close person to them, they were desperately trying to hold on to any sort of hope and faith at that time period, which is obvious. You want to hold on, hold on to all these types of people. But as this person was moving forward and trying to move on with their life, um, they found out that they misplaced this unrealistic version of faith on the church, on God, on other people. That was, like I said, just wasn't realistic. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what to do with that anymore because they had already made the choice to leave the church. They're in limbo. No, they didn't want to abandon this faith of their life, but they weren't sure if they knew how to use faith or how to be mature with it, not to be like, this is going to get better if we just hope it goes away. Because when you lose someone that's really close to you, as you know, there's no faith, there's no promise that's going to make the pain go away. There's no solution at the particular moment that sounds good. So this person went all in on the faith, 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 like blind faith to the point where now they don't know if they can trust faith, faith anymore. And I got it. I, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't know what's happened. It's been a number of years since I talked to this person, but I remember they saying, I lost my faith, but it doesn't surprise me because I've been misplacing it quite often. And the way That's I took that, I, I took that as, as we go through life and we have more life experiences, we then can look back and say, was our faith a little naive? Was our fear too primitive of like, oh my gosh, like worst case scenario all the time? Only you would know as the listener in your own personal situation, what side you may err on. I know that me and my wife, my wife errs definitely more on the fear side. I definitely err more on the, oh, it's going to be all fine side. And so I, I painted a little bit more colorful than it is. And she's like, there's no, there's not, there's nothing in the glass. And I'm half empty. We got to put something in there eventually. So she's more pessimistic. I'm more optimistic. But when it comes down to it, I'm hoping and trusting that my relationship with my clients, my relationship with my friends will decrease my fear that they won't be okay. And I'll be able to see clearly how I could be able to add some happiness, some value, some good information in their life. Well, and that's, I think that that's the key is that here we talk about fear because there's a bunch of unknown. And in faith, there's a bunch of unknown. And the way that we can combat that is that information. We learning. Can, yeah, we can state the unknowns and then we could also say, listen, I need to learn more. That means you I got to learn more. some podcasts. That I means gotta I got to read a book. Every I got to talk to people. I might need therapy. I might need some coaching. I might need to take a course. I might need to do something so that I feel like I can, like I know what to say and, and, like I, and I get a little better information. And, and for me in that time, I really thought that I was doing good. I, re I really did. And, and, I, and that doesn't mean I wasn't. Like, I love my kids. I would do anything for my kids. And more information 
is is necessary. We're just in a time that we need more information and, and we have to get better. We have to get more tools. We have to learn how to use them. We have to share them. We have to not just float along. Too much, too much excessive faith tells us that we don't need to learn more. Too much excessive fear clouds it so we don't want to learn more. Paralyzes. We don't want to learn anything more. We know that it's going to be horrible and we have to do something about it. We can freak out. We can justify it. And so when I hear someone that's like super faithful, and remember, we're not talking about religion. I just use that as reference. It's super hopeful and super faithful. I'm, I'm a little worried for that person because I see people are too far in the faith and hope category. They're one bad thing from happening from everything falling apart. Because excessive faith usually comes from, and I'm not saying all the time, it can oftentimes come from a person not wanting to live in reality. And excessive fear can oftentimes come from a person that is scared so much of all the things that reality can give that they do not ever want to get caught off guard. They don't ever want to not see the danger coming. I, I think it'd be a great life if we all could just easily navigate through that. But I'm telling you guys, having a close relationship with another human being makes it so you have less to fear of because you know more. Okay. Having a close relationship with your kids doesn't require so much excessive faith because you don't have faith that they'll and hope that they'll come talk to you. They're actually secure to come talk to you. They're more willing to open up and share with you their difficulties and their struggles. I totally, I totally agree. And so I think that, I think we, we got where I was hoping. And um, yeah. so I appreciate that. I think that it's, it's super helpful. And we would love, I would love to hear from you guys as you, as you listen to this, I would love for you to weigh in and whether that's in a DM or post a comment on our Instagram or, or whatever, I'd love to hear what you think, um, maybe where you fall, maybe if information has helped you to feel less fearful um, and more proactive, um, which, you know, doesn't mean that there's not going to be those, those freakouts like that still happens, even, even as much information as I have. And, and I believe it, and it's become part of me. Dang, those freakouts. They still come. But well, they um, have to come, otherwise we'd have nothing to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna close out. Thank you again. Thank um, you, Heidi. I appreciate and, it. And thanks for what you said too, because when you started talking about um your son right there, for being someone that's, you know, watched the whole journey and been a part of the journey to some degree with you and your family. It's it's very important for people to hear someone say that. I just feel very privileged to be sitting here watching you talk about this because I've known a lot of people throughout the years and I've never had anyone voluntarily do what you're doing right now, not just with the podcast, but just taking the time to talk to people. I, I really need to get better at that. I have a hard time taking that time in my own personal life. I feel like I do it as a profession. I don't want to do it in my personal <laughs> life all the time, but I really do admire you for the time that you take to respond to people and to get back to people and to stop in a parking lot and, and listen to them. And this moment at the podcast was, was one of those moments where I know many listeners are going to, they're going to really feel what you just said because the fear is very real. 
and it's not necessarily always reality. Yeah. Faith is absolutely necessary and it doesn't give you a good business plan. It doesn't give you the action. It just can give you like some gas to start the car. No. You still got to hit that gas pedal and take some chances and put yourself out there and let your kids know, yeah, I am scared. Yeah, I have a faith that things get better and I'm doubling down on our relationship because that's the only one thing that I know is going to give you a more realistic version of both the faith and the fear and how to use it as a tool instead of have it control your life. I love that. So well said. Um, so to all of you listeners, you guys, thanks for coming back every week. And thank thanks you. for helping us light the fluff. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for helping us to light the fight. 